Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Would you like to sleep with a famous movie star? Lionel Barrymore, for example? Uh, not female, preferably. Yeah, well, uh, that's because you're a male. Besides, Lionel's been blonde to the great beyond for some time. True Crime Uncensored, I am the legendary Burl Bear, Mark Boyer, Fact Checker Co, sitting right next to me. And on the phone, the last guy to sleep with Joan Crawford. He got tailed to tell. <laughs> That's a poor choice of words. Hi there, sir. Sign in, mystery guest. Hey, Bill, how are you? Better and better every day Hi. in every way. Good to have you. Boy, how you doing? I am. Um, He's alive and well. I'm barely alive. Yeah, he had to come drag me out of bed or a couch or whatever I was on today. I was dead to the world. Kind of like uh, Joe totally Crawford. I expected what? him to be dead to the world. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Pavle Sedemirovic, a.k.a. Paul Sedemirovic, a.k.a. Paul Montana, alias uh, something else. Even more aliases than uh, Zoran uh, Jezik, who's got a thousand yeah, aliases. So many aliases. So many. It's very hard to remember all the names, bro. So, yeah. so hard. Sometimes I don't know who I am. Yeah, sometimes but, I don't uh, know who you are either. <laughs> but that's all but today, right. Today, today we, have a, we have a big treat uh, for everyone, for all our listeners, because... Uh, we're dealing with a screen legend that was so epic, um, and I'm very fortunate to um, have been in her circle, especially her last few days. And I think it's a big mystery. I think the story is uh, the story that um, separates me from everyone else, and I just love being part of it. So thank you both for inviting me. Well, it's, a, it's an amazing story, and what leads up to you winding up in bed with Joan Crawford is a kind of a scary story that I don't even know if you actually remember it or just if you've heard about it all your life. That is when two men that your parents trusted came into the home and for coffee and uh, did a home invasion. Yes. Yep. And uh, one of them looked like Bluto in the Popeye comics, from what I understand. Oh. So yeah, these what? guys, uh, these guys, these guys were known were, were known criminals, and uh, they were associates of my father. And uh, my father's uh, very close uh, right hand man that uh, worked for him in the construction business actually set this up, and uh, they planned to rob my parents. At this time, um, we just moved into our house in Fort Lee, New Jersey, right across the bridge from New York City. And um, my father was a target for many people during the 70s. And uh, it was just tough times. But this experience, um, I probably still have post-traumatic stress syndrome because of it. I would imagine so. Uh, from what I understand of talking to your, your mom, who, of course, was there and lived it and was old enough right. to remember it in detail, uh uh, your Uncle Paul uh, had gone off to Studio 54 or someplace like that to live it up. Yeah, yeah he took my father's car at the Lincoln Continental and went to Studio 54. So um, it was just my mom and dad. And as soon as he left, uh, they received uh, you know, a doorbell or a knock on the door, and uh, all of a sudden there was guests. And um, what happened was that my parents purchased some swag that they stolen from another heist 
or you know, jewelry place or who knows what. But it was uh, some type of deal, and they came there to rob my parents back mm-hmm. for the stuff that they sold them and extra. <laughs> and um, yeah, this was a it was a memorable day. So uh, they come in the house, and the guy says, "Pardon me," he says. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Stadamirovic, may I please borrow your bathroom, which I know happens to be upstairs right next to the room of your little kid. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> of course. You go right up there. Just don't shoot the kid. So they go up. Next thing she knows, here comes this fellow down the stairs holding you with a gun to your head. With a three fifty seven Magnum right to my right to my temple. That's right. And how old are you? He's carrying me down like a rag doll, you know, because I'm, uh, what, four or five years old? You know, I'm, I'm a young uh, toddler. Yeah. Working so hard to uh, carry a toddler, a little kid. And uh, I just remember that my parents, when they seen this, coming down the stairs, that they dropped to their hands and knees because they were directed to, and they were, like, astonished that this was happening. Well, yeah, because they probably the trusted act- these two jerks. Yeah, they were really bad actors, uh, bro. Very bad actors. Anyone that would take a child and put a gun against the head, you know, I mean, that's, that's I mean, you're going down to the lowest of the low. Yeah. And, um... Well, they got my father down, they tied my father up, they tied my mother up, and somehow my father got loose. And, uh, 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 when your dad gets loose, there's trouble afoot. Yeah, big time, big time. Because uh, my father was, uh, you know, he wasn't a regular guy. This guy was uh, uh, a tier one gangster in New York City. Like, you know, he wasn't uh, your average type of guy that uh, wouldn't do anything. He would take the chance and opportunity. And as soon as he got the opportunity... He grabbed it. And these guys, they jetted out of there. I mean, they went through like like a cartoon. You know, like they would leave the, the imprint of them running through the sheetrock and the front door and the glass. <laughs> they were chasing their ass. Oh. You know? Well, you know, I know your dad was a force to be reckoned with. He wasn't uh, big in terms of size or width, but he was fast, or say maybe he still is, fast, powerful. He could leap over a car in a single bound. That was a side hustle. Yeah. This he was guy a gymnast. Was... He was a gymnast. He was a certified gymnast. Going to the Olympics, you know, his whole life. You know, he wanted to uh, be in the Olympics and be an athlete. So he was a gymnast. This guy was, uh, you know, yeah, he was extraordinary. He was very strong uh, for his size. He was only 5'9", you know. And uh, so a lot of guys... You know, that were bigger than him towered over my father. You know, my father wasn't, but he was a force to be reckoned with because my father uh, had, um, what they call? Um, Hutzpah. You know, <laughs> black balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so when he, uh, they, they take, what, like a pillowcase and stuff it full of gems and all sorts yeah, of stuff? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 uh, they knew that the stuff, the merchandise was going to be there because my mom got conned by one of the wives you know, to go and get stuff out of the safe deposit box. They have buyers, and, you know, like, yeah. it, was all, it was all a game. And, and uh, you know, for them to get the merchandise to the house. And once the merchandise was at the house, because I guess uh, my father, sometimes, you know, he shows off, or my mom shows off, or, you know, yeah. friends. You don't know who's your friend, who's your foe. It's very hard to determine this in, in this type of uh, element. But uh, you would fast learn. You'd first learn that, you know, this person turned on you, and uh, money is more important. And um, I, I can remember this like it was yesterday. Um, I remember the guy, yeah, Brutus, Buta, that's his name. And um, he had something very bad happen to his family, I guess. 
a natural, something natural. Nothing, nobody did nothing to him. It just happened, and it was like the worst of luck. And he came begging uh, my father's um, uh, begging for his apology. Yeah, like he wanted to accept his apology. My father's like, don't worry about it. You know, like, hey, whatever's done is done. And this was at the church in uh, in Manhattan, and I remember, you know, this was like seven years later. Now we're talking about, and this guy was just—he just made a bad, bad decision. He was influenced by other guys, and he was just crying to my father. And I'm looking at a grown man cry to my dad. Like he was, you know, that's something that stuck with me also. But during this time, after you know, after my parents they got arrested, my mom got arrested, or my father was on the run. Um, I remember going to my with my mom to the precinct, and my mom had these little, little sexy shorts on, and the cops were, you know, making you know wolf whistles, and I, it was very disrespectful, and I didn't enjoy that, you know, as a toddler because I was always protective, you know, of my mother, and I had just a bad vibe, you know, in the police station since a very early age, and um, you know we were the victims, we were the victims, but they found out that some of the jewelry. I was scattered all over Fort Lee because my mom was an art teacher and my father, I guess, he crossed almost the, all, he, he chased these guys all the way to the school where I was going to school first in Fort Lee. And uh, they said that a lot of the merchandise or some of the merchandise was reported stolen from another heist. So who takes the weight? My mom, Bianca, Bianca, she takes the weight and, uh, and she gets probation. And my father is on the run. So what they do with me is they send me to my, my mom's aunt's uh, place of, uh, of work where she was employed um, at the same building where Joan Crawford lived, same floor. And, uh, and this was at an ambassador, uh, John Henry Taylor. He's an author. He's a radio host. And this guy was a vice, uh, a vice was a Switzerland, you know, an ambassador. And he was, he had guests like McCarthy and like any huge names would come to that apartment. But across the hall was Joan Crawford and her husband, Steele, Alex Steele, whatever, the Pepsi guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, they had uh, this apartment that I was in actually first, but when he died, Joan Crawford took the small apartment across the hall. There's only two apartments on the floor. The large apartment that I was staying at, which was John Henry Taylor's, and a very famous artist, Marion Taylor. Her, her work is in uh, the Guggenheim and the museums. Um, she passed away in 2010. Um, I really wanted to reach out to somebody that was part of this story, and it was very hard to find. Uh, I guess my mom and I are the last ones left that know these things. Mm-hmm. But um, Joan Crawford's uh, housekeeper was, was, uh, was uh, from Yugoslavia. And uh, Rada is also from Yugoslavia. So Rada used to take over a residence where Joan was there by herself, uh, mostly. You know, used to work with the Taylors and Joan Crawford. Like, you know, and I was, I was this cute little kid. They used to come there every weekend. But this time I stayed for like five, six days, maybe a week or two. And I got very close to Joan Crawford. And this was like during my birthday and Mother's Day. And Mother's Day. And I was... Uh, Mother's Day or Valentine's Day? I'm sorry, I forgot. I, I'm sorry. It was, my, it was my birthday and Mother's Day. That's right. And she promised me, you know, she used to spoon with me. She used to, like, uh, wash me and put me in these little 
Um, sailor suits. Yeah, whoa. They were very, like, starchy and, like, itchy, and I couldn't take them, man. I can remember this. I got post-traumatic stress from, from this old lady, you know, because she was an old lady at the time, and, and I was kind of scared of her, but she was nice. She was very powerful. She was very intense. Okay, very intense. And I remember clearly that my aunt, my mother's aunt, Rada, um, she used to make these lemon cakes for her all the time. But I was this runner. I used to go back with index cards, uh, with you know, delivering messages from Mr. Taylor to John Crawford and John Crawford to Mr. Taylor. So I was probably doing some inside trading, you know, illegally. Yeah, <laughs> Pepsi-Cola, yeah. yeah, but uh, she owned all the Pepsi. She owned the Pepsi company at that time. Like, she was, she was so big. Like, she was enormous. And uh, the Taylors were very close with John Crawford, and that's how I got to meet John Crawford. Um, it was just a very nice, a very nice uh, group of people, but I was always scared. Like I had like, you know, some kind of like, she was very intense. This is all I remember. And your birthday oh. was coming up in, uh, yeah. yeah, she had, she had a bunch of dogs. There was a bunch of dogs in the apartment. Uh, the furniture was like, had plastic over it. And, uh, she was always doing construction, taking out bathtubs and making showers and like always doing certain things, you know. Uh, like, there's always things working, you know, in there, uh, always cooking, always, uh, you know, uh, like, packages, oh my God, so many packages, so many signatures, so many uh, mail, like, a lot of mail, I remember this, and uh, I was this cute little kid, I wish, bro, you could show some of the pictures, you know, because, you know, we have those pictures from that time, but people would understand, the listeners would see immediately why, you know, she was attracted to me uh, as, as, like, you know, a little boy. And I'm just a cute little kid, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like uh, a male version of Shirley Temple, basically, right? <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 You know, but I was just like, uh, you know, uh, this charming kid. And uh, she brought, she actually gifted me, um, uh, I think, Shakespeare books. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that came from Marianne Taylor or from Joan Crawford. But these are the gifts that I used to always get. I used to always get clothing, expenses like, you know, clothing, cashmere sweaters and stuff like that, shawls and books. But the always first edition Shakespeare like books and like things that I wish I had today. And I'm asking my mom, where, where are all my books? My first edition, you know, books that I got from John Henry Taylor and from, uh, you know, and he and he received books from McCarthy and from the president and so on and so forth. So it was a, it was a good circle of trust that we had. And I was this little kid enjoying my life. You know, my parents had a restaurant in Manhattan at the time and a construction company. We lived in Fort Lee, New Jersey. It was just a big robbery. My whole life got upset because my father's on the run. And that's when he moves to Astoria. That's another big story. But my mom, she hides me at Rada's place. And that's exactly, you know, the building where... Uh, oh, well, let me continue the story. Um, how I remember it is, uh, yes, I wanted the dog. You know, she asked me if I wanted the dog. I was like, of course I want the dog. I love the dog. And she had this one dog that was black and white. I think it's a Shih Tzu or something. I forgot the name of it. But it was a cute little black and white dog. And uh, she promised me this on my birthday. And, uh, and then it was Valentine's Day. I'm, I'm sorry, it was Mother's Day. And right. like, she died. She died. Like, yeah. As like, I remember like, hearing the story. And I remember, you know, uh, being whisked away to the, to the Taylor's apartment and the ambulance coming. And, oh, my God, it was just it was like a huge deal. Yes, as I recall, having uh, read the manuscript that's soon to be published by Wild Blue Press in multiple forms, uh, you have your birthday cake, 
and you ask, where's the dog, where's the dog that you're anticipating as a gift, and Rada tells you yes. that the dog has been given away. You know what? Thanks for, thanks for reminding me. I got all the stuff for the dog first, you know, like uh, toys and a lot of accessories, you know, yeah. and, and I, I just wanted, you know, I love the dog, and she actually gives me, you know, the reason why I never got the dog is because my mom was totally against it because of the life that we were living, and we were on the move, you know, and there was no way we could have a little dog. It's like impossible, you know, even though it came from screen legend Joan Crawford. I didn't know it was Joan Crawford at that time, okay? I just know her as a, a stern old lady, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I was, just, I was just very wise with her, but she was very friendly with me, very touchy-touchy, very huggy-huggy, you know, I sp- she spooned me, like, you know, he spooned me in the same bed, like, you know, with Joan Crawford, which is, you know. Yeah, you're the last, is, last man to sleep with Joan Crawford. But that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's actually, you know, this is what I remember, you know. I mean, that's, that's the most of my, uh, and that's actually when I kind of felt like uh, loved, you know, like I had, you know, and, uh, but boy, you were you were mad when you blew out those candles. And they said, "Make a wish," and you wished that she dropped dead. Sadly, oh, she yeah. did. Yeah, you must have felt pretty powerful the then. Yeah, I didn't get the dog, man. Like that was devastating for me. I was so bummed. And these people, I mean, the Taylors, they used to take me. Henry Taylor used to take me every single year in his Rolls Royce, Silver Spur, to Barnum and Bailey Circus. Mm. Every single year, I would go to the circus. I would go, uh, he would send me to a toy store. Um, I forgot the name of the toy store in Manhattan. But, yeah, I you know, know it's what you mean. Yeah, Yeah, on 55th Avenue, uh, H. Stern. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of the store. But this really cool toy store where I used to go there. And he had so many connections and so much pull. But I used to get a lot of gifts, you know, a lot of gifts. I remember he had a radio room. He was a writer. He had four published books. You know, the big man, I think. I had, I had all his books. He gave me all his his. Uh, his first edition and published book signed. And Mrs. Taylor used to always send me birthday cards. And she is, uh, as I said, a famous artist. And uh, she loved me, absolutely loved me, because I used to put on these little shows and I used to act. You know, whatever was in the movies or whatever was on TV, I used to emulate and, and, uh, and repeat for them. And they just loved it. They just seen this kid full of life and, and just, you know, I was always happy. And, and I just, uh, I loved everything about it. And it's just a shame that, you know, um, my life turned for me um, in, a, in actually a negative way uh, growing up, you know, uh, and I could have went a, a different route. I could have went a different route. And I clearly remember, even when I was young, after this, my father was in Long Island, and he went to, I'm sorry, Astoria, then Long Island, in Long Island, which is like maybe two, three years later, um, things intensified. And I remember how upset I was because I figured out that my father was a thief and all these guys that were coming to the house were either thieves or mobsters or guys buying or selling. And, and I promised him that I was going to put them all in jail. Like I was going to become a cop and I'll put them all in jail. And I even had that moment in my life because, you know, like I felt like things against me. I mean, most of my pictures you see, um, like a Walt Disney or something, like I'm showing that uh, sign, like, you know, I'm holding one finger, you know, you know that sign that kids hold? That, that they, do you understand this, though? It's a psychological uh, thing that kids do with their hand, fingers or hands, and you can clearly see that this kid's being abused. Yeah. You know about this? Okay. So if, you're, if a kid holds a finger, right, like, you know, like a finger, uh, and, and like a baby would hold a, a finger, you know, yeah. and he holds it with his other hand, that's like a clear sign of, like, yo, something's going on over here. 
You know what I mean? And I was getting beat. I was getting beat uh, by my dad and, uh, you know, like, uh, very bad. Like, you know, I thought I was going to die a few times. And I was very scared of this man. <laughs> so, you know, I grew up with a lot of fear. And I grew up with a loving mother that always protected me from this monster, you know, Mr. Stan. Um, but he was also, he also had, like, maybe he was bipolar. I don't know. But he had this very nice side of him also which was so superior and so beautiful and such a gentleman and so nice that you would want to, like, you know, I love my dad, you know. Um, but as I said, things happened, you know, and I got, uh, you know, abused on many levels from, from number one was like the smoking in the car. My father was a chain smoker. And that, that was totally abuse for me, you know, being in a car for three hours with smoker, with a smoker, and that gave me headaches and migraines, you know. But the physical beatings when I was bad, because I was a, I was a little uh, wild kid, you know. I had a lot of, you know, friends that were, um, how can I call it, they were, um, um, you know, influencing me, you know, to do bad things, you know. And I always thought that maybe, you know, if you do bad things, that's how you get attention, uh, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah. So, um, Mark, uh, boy, I have a question for you. Mark over here in the corner, cowering. <laughs> hey, Mark. <laughs> um, my apologies if you don't want to talk about this particular issue, but she did have some controversy uh, surrounding her. Did you uh, have any interaction with uh, her youngest daughters, Kathy and Cindy? Okay, I didn't hear. I didn't even get any of that. Can you, can you say that a little bit louder? Yes, sir. Um, Sorry. That's okay. Um, did you have any interactions with her youngest uh, daughters? No, never. Never met them. Don't know them. No. It's interesting. No, they weren't um, there. I was just curious if you saw anything in her that would indicate Mommy Dearest was in any way accurate. Oh, no. I would, I, I, I would, I would concur, you know, because, as I said, she was a very stern woman, you know, and I was kind of scared of her, you know, like she was intense. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, when she told me to take off my, my clothes to change or whatever, like it was very militant. It was very, you know, it was, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't like, it was very scary. Like, you know, I did it out of fear basically, you know, because I wanted to be good. Uh, I don't want to disappoint anybody, but it, I kind of felt, you know, like, as I said, and then the dog thing, when I got the dog promised to me for my birthday, I thought that was wonderful because I love animals and pets, and I used to go to that apartment just to play with the dog. Also, Rada and Taylor, they, they, they had, I don't know, seven, eight, nine poodles and, and dogs also, you know. I mean, this is a very exclusive building uh, in Manhattan, as well known. Um, and as I said, my grandma, I mean, not my grandma, Rada, which is my mom's aunt. I call her grandma because, you know, she's my mom's aunt. And uh, she was like my, uh, my grandma growing up in the United States. And uh, I just, you know, used to go there every weekend for many, many years. So this is just um, a coincidence that Joan Crawford lived in the apartment that I was in and that across the hall, which is a smaller apartment. But it's just funny that we find out after that it was George. Like, I didn't know this. This was a shock to me. You know what I mean? Like, when I found out that at that time, I knew everybody in that building was somebody important or famous, but I just didn't put two and two together. But it, it came back to me, Mark, 
when uh, Manny Beers came out immediately. I don't know if that answers the question. Well, you know, I just didn't know if you were privy to any of uh, any of that or. Well, no abuse, no hangers or anything like that. No, 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 not from her. But just changing of clothing, spooning, uh, kind of like, you know, suffocating me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just, like, oh, you're so cute. Like, you know, just like that. But since I was in there all the time, uh, Rada used to babysit me. And, uh, you know, a uh, little kid around playing with little dogs and, uh, and whatever else he can find, you know, to keep his time, you know, going. Um so, you know, I, I had a really, really, really good relationship with Henry J. Taylor, I mean, John Henry Taylor, and uh, Mrs. Taylor, right. and, uh, and also Joan Crawford. So, yeah, and the well, maid, you know, the lady that worked there, and, uh, and they used to make a lot of, you know, like, like, you know, cakes and cookies and all kind of, like, goodies and stuff like that, and it was just really nice to, uh, to be there in Manhattan and away from whatever my parents were going through. But um, as I said, I had a lot of like uh, respect and love for Rada, you know, my mom's aunt, and I I really enjoyed every time, like every time she came to my house, she was like a savior. I knew I wasn't going to get my ass beat by my dad. Okay, it's like one of those. So I absolutely loved to be around, um, you know, Rada, and uh, she passed away recently. Um, you know, at 92 years old. I'm just letting everybody know because this just happened like, you know, a little while ago. Mm. So, you know, it, this, this part of my, uh, the, you know, this part of my story is like very, very um, interesting, you know, like just imagine being on the same floor, you know, and, and you have a, a big star name, you know, screen legend like that. And, and what she owned and, and how powerful she was, who her husband was, you know, and, and it's just, you know, it's just pretty amazing that I had contact with her. And the last contact, because I think I'm the last person to actually see her. I seen, I mean, I was there the day she died. The, um, uh, yeah. She was, from, if from her writings, you could tell that she was maybe borderline ADD. Uh-huh. Everything uh-huh. had to be particular, ordered, sequenced. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and oh yeah. She didn't like the way. Right. If she didn't like, like as I said, with um, she wanted me to change clothing to to be there, you know, she, you know. But she would give it as a gift, like look what I have for you, and uh, you know, with a company with you know, I wish I had all these little you know gifts, you know, that were always signed or maybe not signed. I don't know, but you know, um, every child enjoys any type of gift, you know, any kind of like you know uh, something that you know you're given, and I I, I just remember. I want uh, uh, Princess Lotus Blossom, you know, Princess, the dog, the yeah. doggy, the little, the shih tzu. Um, and uh, it, it, was, it, was the newer, it was one of the newer dogs that, you know, that was around in the bunch. The other ones were very old and yellow and, you know, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were on the way out. So this was, you know, and, and it made me believe that I was going to get the dog. Now, I don't know what happened to the dog after, after that. Uh, what I what I found is that uh, that she did give the dog away, but there's no details on what. There's no details. Or who they mm. gave it to. I, yeah, I, I would really love to find out, like you know, um, more about it. You know, I did contact uh, someone that they did uh, the life uh, the life story on Joan Crawford, and and um, like uh, I don't know if they have some type of like podcast, or, but they're very into Joan Crawford, and I remember them clearly contacting me for more information. But 
you know, I, I just remember people going in and out. I was going back and forth with index cards, you know, um, and uh, it, was, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. I mean, you know, and, and you know, once, once uh, you know, I found out that, um, you know, who these people really were, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I treat this very special and close to my heart because not many people had an opportunity to, um, you know, to be around somebody this big, you know, and uh, even though um, maybe she had, you know, many problems or, or, you know, I know she was taking pills, I know she was, you know, uh, oh, that I know, I know she was sickly, she was very sickly, she was always, that's why she was in bed, she couldn't wait, well, get up because, uh, yeah, she got hurt. She got hurt or, or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if she got hurt by chasing me or something. You know, like, you know, like, I don't even know. But yeah, for she, a she was in the bed. She was getting up from bed. And I always have to come to the bed. So it's like, you know, um, you know, maybe that's why I was, getting, I was yeah. being spooned because yeah. she was who knows? Maybe she knew she was going to die. Maybe she was going to kill herself. I don't know what happened. But she no longer, uh, I know that she had a, a, a her age. She asked me, how old does she look? And I said, oh, my God, 100 or something. It was bad. I shouldn't have never said that. No. You know? But, um, you know. We had, uh, we had the privilege here at the, at the show of having Chuck yeah. McCann visit uh, on a number of occasions. And he became uh, good friends with Stan Laurel from Lono and Hardy. Oh, wow. And the question was posed, why don't we ever see him? And Chuck said, uh, Stan is not the character we know and love. Oh. He didn't want the public to remember him in his current condition as an old man. And uh, I noticed that uh, that Joan had the same uh, sense of vanity. And uh, the last time she was out with one of her good friends, um, the, the photographs that were in the pitch were not to her liking. Right. right, and and then she said, well, you know, if the public can see me this way, they're never going to see me like that, yeah. which is why she became a reckless. A reckless, exactly, exactly. She, was a rec- she wasn't coming out of her apartment. And, and I was like, I was introduced to her as this, like, you know, something new, you know? And, and uh, I, she loved my, I, I know she loved my youth, you know? I was young. I had a life ahead of me, and I know that, you know, there was some type of connection, uh, uh, you know, or something. But she did have some type of, like, empathy or love or whatever, you know, something towards me, because the way she looked at me, you know, she was very stern, uh, but intense, like, like a witch. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get cooked in a pot yeah. type of intense, you know? Like, like uh, what's that story with uh, ginger, the gingerbread house, yeah, Hansel right? and Gretel. Uh, there you go. That's exactly. I was Hansel. I was Hansel. Yeah. I was Hansel. That's regrettable. Right? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to get put in the oven or something with this. With this. You know, like I was being fed cake. You know, like you know, it was good. Your used to chase you around the apartment, tell you about her glory days in Hollywood. You say, "Who's Betty? <laughs> who's Betty Davis?" Never. Heard oh, who's Betty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this, you know, her apartment wasn't uh, nothing fancy. You know, not that I. I remember Taylor's apartment was really fancy. Had well, a lot of, at this, at this no. point, she had downstairs one floor to H, where it was uh, one bedroom. Okay. Well, what bedroom? Excuse me. Punch. I'm sorry, I missed that. 
Yeah, um, you said that you moved down to an apartment, a she small moved apartment from or something? a two-bedroom to a one-bedroom near the end of the Yeah, okay, all right, all right. Well, like I said, uh, you know, either she moved from the place that I was in to another place or wherever, you it know, I know she moved to another place, another, but it was, it was a smaller a place. Floor on the it was just a different floor. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Is she downsized? Right, oh, yeah, yes, 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 I, I remember, I remember. Uh, that uh, it was nothing, like, as I said, it's nothing, it was nothing impressed. Like, nothing was, uh, you know, it was, it was a regular, you know, place. But, um, you know, uh, Rada and the lady that worked for, um, directly for Joan, I don't know, she's a Yugoslavian lady that was friends with Rada. Um, they were very good friends, and uh, they always, you know, exchanged recipes and dishes and, and cakes and, uh, you know, uh, they were, they were very, um, very much, how can I say, um, interacting with each other all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I don't know, Bo, did you ever get a chance to speak to Rada? Uh, no, I didn't. I spoke to uh, your Uncle Paul at length. Oh, the son. Yeah, yeah he didn't make it either, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, he, he, he passed away first. And uh, that was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, then she passed away like... Uh, uh, been fairly yeah, recently. A few months later, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, it was just very sad. But um, as I said, um, my mom, uh, when she first purchased the house in Fort Lee, um, Rada was her uh, partner and co-signer for the house, and they both bought it together. And then we had a move out of there, and uh, the house, you know, we gave it to Paul and, uh, and his family, and uh, we were always on the move. And that's when Astoria happened, when, when we had to move to Astoria, New York. And uh, we, we went from a house to an apartment, from a beautiful house, a beautiful colonial house. And for me, we were the backyard and everything to now an apartment. I don't know, one bedroom, two bedroom, whatever it was. It was small. And uh, that's when I was put in, uh, placed in, uh, in a Catholic school, St. Joe's. And uh, this was in Astoria, and that's when I, um, I, I had a car accident. A car hit me, and I almost lost my life because I had a TB uh, compound fracture. My, my leg was broken in half. You know, it was very off the skin. It was very, very graphic. And I thought I was going to be on the 6 o'clock news. You know, that's all I was concerned about. I was like, am I going to be on the 6 o'clock news? <laughs> you know, because is this a big deal? You know, and they're like, no, no, not really. I was like, all right, all right, all right, you know. But, um... Yeah, I was delirious. I hit my head, probably, you know, and, uh, you know, but that, since, I, since that time, since that time, that's when everything escalated and I was getting, uh, you know, my ass handed to me on the regular, uh, and I was getting conditioned and preconditioned to become, you know, what my father wanted me to become, obviously, and, uh, you know, to become part of the crew or the gang or, you know, to be, you know, around him, and I got to experience that also. But not before me, uh, seeing that, you know, when I started going to school on Long Island, the teachers seen some black and blues, and my father quickly was very sharp, and he sent me to the best school in Europe. Like, you know. I bet yeah, that was a surprise all of a sudden we dropped, kicked. You go on a little vacation, the next thing you know, you're in the Swiss Alps. Yeah. more. <laughs> and, and he Sophia ripped me out of my mom's hands. He ripped me out. I, was, I wanted a Michael Jackson jacket. I mean, I wanted things that my father couldn't even fathom. Like, you know, uh, these guys are crime, crime lord, you know, operating in New York with John Gotti and all these guys. And now his son wants a Michael Jackson jacket. 
that just wasn't flying for him. And then, you know, when I was running away from school because, you know, I was getting my ass handed by me, by, by him, you know, he was beating my ass. I mean, wow. Those beatings were like, uh, like Tyson in the ring. Like, you know, like they were, they were for a man. They weren't for a kid, you know? And, uh, I'm never going to forget that. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, he, I only have one dad, you know, and he's this charming guy, man. He's this amazing guy, but he just has this Dr. Jekyll uh, side to him, and uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, really, I never figured it out, but maybe one day we'll get we'll get to all that. Um, just I was, you know, I wasn't a good kid. I was running away. You know, I was stealing from my parents. I mean, like, like that started in, in Astoria. I started going through my father's pockets. My father always had hundreds, and he never missed any of them. <laughs> if I peeled, you know, three, four, five hundred, he would never, he would not, never know that because he always had so much money on him. And uh, and and uh, when we got to Long Island, that's when Sal, you know, Stagnita came around, and uh, the um, Dozy family, and uh, you know, all these guys. And uh, my house was filled with um, a bunch of mobsters and gangsters and thieves and low-level scumbags and all kind of people, man. Well, like it sounds like you're in radio. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, as I said, it's like, you know, it's the worst of the worst, bro. It was like, um, I mean, the people that were coming through my door, I couldn't believe it. But there were some big-name guys, too, you know? Like, I mean, you know, as I said, my father was a very respected man, you know? The guy was honorable. You know, um, he always took care of business, and now his son is going to school in Switzerland, in the best school in Switzerland, and that's where I got to learn to speak more languages because I grew up speaking two languages, Serbian, Serbo-Croatian at that time. And uh, once I got those two, everything else was easy. I probably speak like around seven, eight languages today. I could communicate very well. Uh, And uh, it's amazing. You know, that the life, the circle of life, and the people that I met, because those kids that I was in school in Switzerland are big names. I mean, who can afford to go to school there, you know? Um, you know, so you got these shakes and guys from Kuwait and, and uh, Saudi Arabia and princes, and, and I mean, it, it was just a fantastic period of me skiing, getting medals, um, playing all the sports, from ice skating to, uh, I mean, uh, equestrian, you know, horseback riding fencing, gymnastics. I mean, we had it all. I mean, this was like an elite school for elite kids. Uh, you had the Lamborghini family uh, kids go there, the Cachafera family. You had the Porsche family kids there. Like, all these kids that went to school with me, they, they're all um, unbelievably, uh, you know, extra wealthy, and they run part of the world because, you know, that's where they were put. So I remember these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and my father always mentioned to me, hey, man, I gave you a good education. Uh, then I was ripped out of school in Switzerland when I wanted to continue my career in, uh, you know, in whatever in sports, basically, because I wanted to be a professional skier and tennis player. And, uh, and my father, he challenged me and he says, if I win, uh, I'll do it. I'll put you in Nick Bolateri's tennis camp immediately. Like, I'll pay for it. And if I lose, um, I have to uh, go to school in, in Yugoslavia, which was it's, it's Serbia today. And, and he puts school where I have to learn the Russian syllabic writing, which is like Chinese, you know? Um, and, and I had to relearn everything, and they, they put me like three grades down, and uh, I didn't have a good time in that, in that. I almost died. I almost died. The kids were jealous of me. 
you know, like, they didn't understand where I was coming from, you know, like, I'm in this poor communist country, nobody has anything, you know, they're lucky if they have bean soup on the table, you know, some place in money, um, they're called um, gymnasiums, Kalanchka Gymnasium, it's a very prestigious school, and uh, I think Nikola Tesla went there or something like that, I don't know, but it's a very prestigious school, and uh, my great-great-grandfather built the church, Kalavat. Hmm. This Sremsky Kalavats, this town that's next to Novi Sad. And all this was used to be, uh, you know, all this, this land that they had there is, used to all be like uh, Roman. It was a Roman providence. So they have all these Roman, uh, you know, buildings and statues and architecture that's amazing. And it's just a very fun place to go. I recommend everyone to go visit Novi Sad uh, in uh, Serbia or Belgrade because there's so many castles. And if you guys love, you know, uh, that movie, uh, what's that movie, uh, with, uh, the Gladiator, Gladiator, yeah, Gladiator. with the Germanic tribe, well, that's, that's exactly how Serbia was, and the, and, and the Roman, there was like 28 Roman emperors that came from that land. Really? I didn't realize Just imagine. That. Yeah. It's really fantastic. It's really beautiful. And I got to experience that. I got to experience Europe. I got to experience everywhere in Europe, because Europe is very close. You get in a car and you go to Austria, you go to Italy, you go to, you know, to France. And, and it was just nice, you know, growing up there, uh, young. But uh, when I came back, when I came back, uh, I came back as a raging uh, thief. I became this, like, uh, master kid thief, you know, because at first I had a choice to work legitimate with uh, one of my friend's companies, which was an electric company, um, and I did that for a little bit, and I didn't like it because it was a lot of hard work. Yeah, we don't like that part. No, no, of course not, because that was like, you know, me being uh, legitimate and just busting my ass, working with my hands in the air, putting up BX wire or whatever on a scaffold, you know, and I got a taste of that because, you know, as I said, throughout my whole life, my father had a construction company. It was always very handy. My father used to put up buildings, you know, I mean, uh, used to put up uh, structures up in New York City, work with Tishman, you know, with, probably with Trump. Who the, who the hell knows? My father worked with everyone, but he was a builder and he's a respected builder and my father usually works for, like, uh, art, art galleries and artists and, uh, you know, things like that. But had a, he had a very big reputation in New York City. So I was always, you know, going on the, you know, on the job with my dad. You know, he's a supervisor, and I used to get hurt or fall down or whatever. But I, I learned also. I learned part of the trade, hands-on with everybody there. Um, then my father had a restaurant. You know, that's another thing that I learned. And then he also had a jewelry business and, a, and an antique store, gallery. You know, so you get to learn things. And this is why people don't understand when I talk about having a collection. Yeah, I had a mint collection of stamps that's probably worth $10 million today, but um, a leak in the roof destroyed all that. You know, it doesn't exist anymore. It's, you know, stamps get wet, it's over. And mint collection, and uh, thanks to the moth, and to Montenegro, because they pulled off one of the largest uh, stamp uh, places in, on 57th Street in Manhattan. And they took uh, a trailer filled with stamps and collectibles. Wow. And, uh, you know, so you could just imagine, imagine how, much, you know, how much we had, uh, you know, stashed and the stuff that I was getting and putting away. Well, see, know? when you were, what, uh, 15 and a half, your first heist? 
retail yeah, value about Batman, 20 Batman million. Came out, when my first Batman movie came out, that, that day, that, that evening, that's the day I did the heist. Yeah. Well, literally, get so over whatever, me. <laughs> yeah, whenever they dropped that movie in Manhattan uh, on 32nd Street, I went to see it. Uh, I don't know if it was the first day or the second day, because I got to see the, it was like an early, like a four, three, four, um, you know, PM. So, I don't know, but it was around that day, you know, that time. Uh, around when Batman came out, and I was like, oh, wait till they get a load of me. Like, I'm in the city right now. <laughs> and um, I was proving to my father and to the crew and to the other guys that I looked, man, because I was, already, I was already going on the jobs. I was cleaning uh, the tools since I was in Astoria. That's when we met the moth and all that. That's another part of my life that's very interesting because there's a bunch of these gangs and criminals that came from Europe and from Germany and from Austria, and they came here starving. And my father put them on. He was like, what do you do? Alarms? Okay, you're an alarm specialist. What do you do? Safe? Okay, you're a safe specialist. What do you do? Car? You drive? Uh, he's a driver. You know, so, and then we get strong guys to lift a lot of gold out of the vault. And he was just very organized and very respected, and he got what he wanted. And he did a few jobs with uh, John Gotti, which is, which is sensational to have in a story, you know. And uh, they weren't that successful either, because Joe, Joe Coffey, or John Coffey, the cop, that arrested John Gotti, was on the cover, and he's the guy that came down to cut the lawns, and that's the story that you know, bro. Yeah, yeah. John yeah. Gotti so admired your dad; he wanted to know what it was like to do a to do a heist. Mm-hmm. And uh, but unfortunately, the guy that brings his uh, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, a cop, and your dad didn't want to believe that for some reason. Yeah, he. He cut, he cut the wrong wires. He cut the whole uh, electrical, uh, you know, for the federal building, and that just caused a big problem, you know. And, uh, and as I said, you know, this, this was, you know, somebody dropped the ball. You know, my father was a professional. You know, you want to get things done? You know, sometimes, you know, you want to do things, and it doesn't go right, even for the biggest and top people, you know. But all I want to just mention is that these were these type of characters. You had Le- Leona Hemsley, you had Trump. At that time, you had Mayor Todd, I mean, uh, what do you mean, Mayor, Mayor Giuliani? Who was chief of police, you know? do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 you know, connections and the people that we interacted were so amazing, and it's just like a living movie, you know? And well, I remember being told that uh, the chief of police of uh, New York City uh, was buying your dad drinks uh, at a restaurant, you were there, and he's telling your dad, now remember, uh, Stan, the guys in your crew have to have real jobs. They just can't be uh, doing heist for a living. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Everybody was on the books, that's yeah. one thing. Everybody had a job, they worked on the books, you know, and we had union connections also, union local 15, uh, 13. Like, we had, we had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of connections. And, um, I mean, you know, like, you, you get these Slavic guys, and you can talk about just one. Let's say a guy that was here that's being praised and uh, that, uh, that my father knows, you know, he knows him before he was even that person. That's Bosco, Bosco Radoncic, for example. This guy is a Serbian legend. He was like John Gotti's right-hand man. You know, he helped with the trial for John Gotti not to go to prison. And this was all done through Bosco and, and a lot of other things. And also, uh, probably, you know, uh, I know that a couple of people were speaking about it, but uh, the, the hit for uh, Paul Castellano, you know, and the shooters and all that, people think that, uh, that other people like John Gotti had, you know, they were, you know, no, 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 Bosco was the guy that, that was in charge of all that. Like, this is known. And if you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. 
you know, and that's just facts that I grew up with. And, uh, and today, I'm just very fortunate to be, uh, you know, civilian, and, I, and that I can talk about, you know, the bad actors, and, and I really despise bad actors. I despise bad people. I despise anyone trying to get over on somebody else, you know. And um, today it's a little hard to believe because of my past. But I think it makes perfect sense. I know what I did wrong. You know, I have a conscience, and I'm a very spiritual person, and I just want to be better than yesterday. And I, I only want, like, you know, good opportunities and good vibes because I want to work hard at what I do, and I want to do it well. And, and, and it's very important that my father, he actually installed, instilled all these, uh, these great values, you know, that, that carry me on in life, that made me survive prison. Because if I didn't know that other side, I wouldn't have survived prison. You know, I would have had a dead end right there. But for some reason, I have a legion of angels protecting me and carrying me to my next destination. And my next destination is with Bill Bear. You know? <laughs> what a thrill. What, what an end of a no, What? This is the payoff. <laughs> I can't wait to see you, bro. I can't wait to see you. And I can't wait to, to, for us to, uh, you know, chop it up and, and talk more because we have so many more parts. I mean, we got part three, part four, part five, like there's so many great parts. And, uh, and, and, and I, I, I do with a bunch of people, a bunch of, you know, I have partners. I have Sean Sullivan, artist, New York City, amazing 79th floor in the, in the Freedom Tower. This guy is making huge moves. Whatever, Chicago, Miami, uh, uh, Europe, like, yeah, that's my guy, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, I just love all the people that we have and all the energy, and we're moving, we're moving this, uh, this project forward. And, and the reason why there's no project right this second is because Howard Lapidus, because we don't have him anymore on our list. And we all know this, because he was championing this project more than anyone. And he absolutely loved it, and he knew it was going to be a hit, and yeah. a number one, like, something. No, it's going to be number the, one uh, something. I don't care if it's last, a comic book yeah. or whatever, but it's going to be last, number one. Uh, last lunch, uh, Howard Lapidus, a former uh, co-host of this show and my uh, showbiz yeah. manager, we, uh, we had lunch up in Santa Clarita together. He drove up to Santa Clarita, and we went to this weird place we'd never got to eat before, but we found this restaurant. With it was been all afternoon, and he was talking about how much he loved your story. And he said, of all the people he says I've managed in my life, great stars, you know, he said, the fact that I represent every great Diamond Heist mastermind from Serbia, right. he says, is my greatest accomplishment. <laughs> I felt so safe with Howard Lapidus and uh, having having me in his hands. He was the best manager in the world, and this guy managed all the talk show guys. I mean, all the legends that you see. You can Howard Lapidus and see yourself. I mean, he has uh, you know he introduced his better cult classics. You know, like Stealing Harvard, and now he can do Stealing Manhattan. And, and I'm just very sad that he didn't get a chance to do it. But I know he's. Well, he's probably got his. He's probably got his hand in it. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's, there's he's, life he's, after he's, death. He's living it up. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know, uh, God bless Howard Lapidus and uh, rest in peace because he he made something amazing and, and he put the seeds and now we're growing everything. So I'm just very happy. I'm very happy that uh, Bo, that you took such interest in the project and, uh, and and you did you know everything you had to do. I mean. Because I'm coming, I'm coming at a, at a, with so much humility, and sometimes it could sound, you know, that I twist my words, and it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm cocky or, you know, conceited. But I swear to you, I'm not. I'm very, I have so much humility, and I'm very humble today, and I changed my life around. And, and I, I just want to see, I, I want to see people do good. 
I want to, I want to see people succeed because they're good, you know. And, and, and I feel that that's very important because I had mentors in my life that are also legendary. I mean, guys that were with Muhammad Ali and with athletes like uh, Radomir Kovacevic, legend judoka. I mean, this is a judo uh, athlete that has three uh, Olympic medals. And this guy was a legend. And he also passed on very young, and I lost him in my life. So a lot of the mentors that I had that I was, um, that I was attached to, well, I lost them. You know, many, I have so many contacts. And I'm talking about people with, with endless pockets of money. And, and it's a shame that, you know, life goes on and life is very short and precious. Okay? Yeah, I just want to say this. It sure life is. It's very short and very precious. Uh, uh, I want to take this uh, uh, full circle. I'm just sure. curious if you know how Joan got her screen name. Got her what? How did Joan get her screen name? How did you get to be mm. Joan Crawford? Yeah. This is trivia. Yeah. At its best. Well, I wish I knew the answer, was, uh, I don't know. She was born Lucille LeSueur. That's right. That's what I heard. I can only remember. And okay, when, uh, when, her, when her mother remarried... They didn't give like a stripper. <laughs> so Louis Mayer. Uh, Louis B. Mayer. Had a public yeah, contest for $1,000. Wow. Hey. Wow. Joan Crawford, huh? Okay, Bunch. Another fun fact. Another fun fact. Nobody really knows her age. Her age, like her true age. This That's correct. Yeah, yeah. She was much older than what she seems and what she, you know, like this. You know, yeah, this is, uh, this is something. But as I said, I enjoy, I enjoy living these moments. And Joan Crawford is just a part of my life, like a, a beast moment. Because I had John Lennon, Burn Reynolds, uh, Charles Bronson, Sean Connery. That's somebody that I, that I wanted to, uh, to see. And I, and I, 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 I never had, uh, opportunity to well, meet. you didn't get to see Sean Connery. But you did get to threaten, uh, what's his Roger name? Moore, though, that was my guy. Cowbell, Mark Cowbell, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken.